You know, for a long time, I meant to try Pete's coffee, but just never gave it a chance. But ever since I did, I have a hard time settling on anything less. And there's something to say about a coffee company with such rich history and devotion to bring you that perfect brew. Since Alfred Pete opened his first coffee bar in 1966, Pete's has selectively sourced the finest beans in the world, carefully calibrating each roast by hand and crafting each beverage with the utmost care. Pete's aims to produce fresh from the roaster's coffee delivered directly to your door, sourcing the top 1% of coffee beans, roasted by hand to unlock each bean's potential, and delivering it to you fresh to bring you the perfect cup. With over 30 flavor varieties in both gourmet coffees and teas, like Vietnam Lotus Bold, Major Dickinson's Blend, and Arabian Mocha Java, you are sure to find the right flavor to start your day. And they even come in K-Cups for those of you who live life on the go. Check out all the varieties of Pete's has to offer by following the link in the show notes below. And starting August 30th, you can take advantage of their Labor Day sale and get yourself 20% off anything on their site by using promo code LABORDAY20 at checkout. This offer is valid through September 5th. That's promo code LABORDAY20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase this Labor Day. But why not do one better? Use promo code NEWSUB30 at checkout and you get yourself 30% off of a new subscription to Pete's Coffee. That's right. All the delicious coffee you could want delivered right to your door each and every month without you ever having to worry about running low. What more could you ever need? That's promo code NEWSUB30 for 30% off your subscription. everyone welcome back to grindhouse where we drink coffee and talk about movies my name is leah diana and today with my boyfriend and co-host sean tatro we will be winding back the reel to 1994 when a man inadvertently makes santa fall off the roof on christmas eve he finds himself magically recruited to take his place in the santa claus let's get into it it was the night before Christmas, and children were dreaming of the presents Santa would bring. Somebody's on the roof. But this Christmas Eve... Hey, you! The unthinkable happened. You killed him! Did not. Now, this night... If something should happen to me, put on my suit, the reindeer will know what to do. It's up to them... Let's go! ...to save the day. Together, Scott Kelvin and his son Charlie take on the biggest job in the world. Looking good, Dad. Oh, oh. And though it has its dangers, oh, nice teeth. He thought it was just for one night. You're the new Santa. I am not Santa Claus. Ah, you put on the suit. You're the big guy. What if I don't buy into this Santa Claus thing? Then there would be millions of disappointed children around the world. He doesn't want the job. It was a dream. But it's growing on him. I've gained 45 pounds in a week. Now he's getting into the spirit. Ah! There are a lot of kids that believe me. I want some ballet slippers. And getting ready for the biggest night of his life. How could I have done this without you, Charlie? You couldn't. Walt Disney presents a timeless tale that will warm your heart. I love you, Santa Claus. I love you, son. Lift your spirits and make you believe. You really are Santa Claus. Pretty cool, huh? Share the merriment and the magic. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Tim Allen. Santa. The Santa Claus. 
Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. serious question i might have a serious answer do you think there is a big majority of people who have not seen this movie um i i think yes considering there are younger audiences who probably didn't weren't shown it or just have never bothered to watch it do you think this is our miracle on 34th street i think it could be a contender for sure because Miracle on 34th Street was the one in the 50s or 60s, 40s, 50s, I forget. It was in that 20-year span time. That was huge. It was the biggest Christmas movie. And I think they redid it with, um, who's the girl, Matilda? Oh, my God. Little girl. Yeah, I don't remember I the forget actress's her name. name. Um, it's flashing in my head because she was in a lot of, like, movies when we were kids. Um... She was in the remake in like the 90s, I think. But nobody, I don't really remember this. I remember this one. When this came out, I was nine. And to this day, this movie still makes me cry. Movies never made me cry. But it makes me upset that I hate Christmas. Well, now watching it now, because let's be fair, I haven't seen this since I was a kid. Mm. But... I always remembered it and watching it now it definitely hits harder as an adult it hurts a little more doesn't it hurts it? a little more does it hurt more as a child of divorce for me no because my parents split up after we were already adults my parents split up when i was i was a teenager like i was 17 18 years old when they split up but my brother and sister were charlie's age but i think it it does ring closer to home knowing what the things I know as an adult. Yeah. Does this movie make you want to believe in Santa Claus and the spirit of Christmas? To some degree, but I think I want to get into that a little later. Okay. So, this week for our last episode of 2022. Our last movie of 2022. Our last movie of 2022 because we have one more episode coming that we'll talk about, we'll a talk about later. later. Yep. But we watched the Santa Claus. It's, uh, as you said, the 1994 American Christmas comedy film was written by Leo Benvenetti. I think is how you say his name. And Steve Rudnick. It's directed by John Pasquin. Stars Tim Allen, Judge Reinhold, Wendy Crewson, David Krumholtz and Peter Boyle. This movie originally released November 5th, 1994 in Hollywood, November 11th, 94 everywhere else. And it was made on a budget of $22 million, but ended up grossing a box office of $190.3 million. If I remember, this is one of the biggest Christmas movies that has ever come out in the 90s. Yeah, so much so that it, it 
received very positive reviews from critics. Um, it became a Christmas time staple for mo- for many people, and it also spawned several sequels: uh, Santa Claus Two in 2002, the Santa Claus Three, the Escape Clause in 2006, and very recently, simulcast. There is only two episodes out as of right now of the Santa Clauses. Yep, on Disney Plus, which is like a Disney Plus series. It yeah. actually just premiered this week as of recording. So. so it's kind of funny we're doing this movie now. As of this movie coming, this release coming out, the Santa Claus, the Santa Clauses will be over with. But when we're recording, just to preface, like it's only got two episodes, we yeah. don't plan on watching it because we're not Christmas people. But there is a kind of selfish reason why. Oh, my God. I'm getting emotional. This movie does this to me. There's kind of a selfish reason why I wanted to watch this movie. Go on. Oh She's going God. to cry. I am. I hate Christmas. I've hated it for years. I have my personal reasons. Christmas just isn't... Christmas changes when you come, become an adult. It's not the same as when you're a kid. And I have fond memories of Christmas. I, I do. You know, my aunt and uncle used to come over. My aunt and uncle on my dad's side. Um, they came over. We'd open presents. We'd have a great day. Over the years, Christmas became sour. Like I said, I'm a child of divorce. But my parents divorced when I was a teen. You know, later teens. So I had had my Christmases. But I watched my brother and sister kind of start to not like Christmas either. You have the, you're going to your dad's, you're going to your mom's fight. You have the, you know, dad has a new family, mom has a new family thing. You know, it becomes less about what am I getting for Christmas and more about I wish my family was still together. I know my mom listens to the podcast. My dad might someday. But I have selfish reasons why I hate Christmas. Because I watched it kind of like that spirit's gone. I don't have that spirit of Christmas. And I wish I did. Because watching this movie, you get this like spirit. You get like, I want to put up a tree. I want to put presents under and I want to do this stuff. But life is... Oh my god, how many... Can can somebody get a count of how many times I've cried on this fucking podcast? <laughs> no, I think you make a good point. <laughs> I think this movie, it does a really good job capturing that that idea that we don't as adults the majority of humanity yeah doesn't um doesn't maintain that meaning that christmas had at one point it's not what presents can i get it's not you know oh i'm gonna do this or no it's i want that feeling again yeah and as adults, and everybody listening can just ignore the ignore the emotions. I'm an emotional person. Everybody knows it. But I miss that feeling. And my friends who were huge Christmas people, my friend Jess loves Christmas, huge Christmas person. She started sending me gifts November 1st. <laughs> it's Christmas time. Time to fuck all your Halloween shit. It's Christmas time, you know. I've always been a firm believer of Christmas doesn't start until after Santa comes through in the Macy's Day Parade on Thanksgiving. That's when Christmas can start. You know, let the turkey have his time. When Santa passes by, now it's Christmas time. I'd have this big ceramic Christmas. My mom had this big ceramic Christmas tree, and we light the Christmas tree. When Santa passed by, we've, there's all little traditions that, as you get older, you don't have these traditions anymore. Like, you and I 
we don't like Christmas. We don't have Christmas traditions. We also have not had time to establish Christmas traditions because one, our apartment is fucking microscopic. Yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere to put Christmas stuff in here. Two, we can barely decorate for Halloween. I know. Like, we have Halloween stuff out, but I leave it out all year long. Like, if I were to put all my Halloween stuff out um, away and put out Christmas stuff, I have enough. But that spirit, that feeling's not there anymore. It's completely gone. Two, I moved in right when the pandemic was happening in September of 2020. So, like, we've not had time to establish. We've been trying to catch up with life that we don't have... To me, Christmas is about hey, spending time with people and being around loved ones. And I don't know, my dad lives in Florida with his um, his wife and my youngest sister and my two stepsisters. You know, my mom lives with her husband, my stepfather and her father. You know, my sister has her own family. My brother lives with my sister, but, you know, <laughs> he has his own life. And as you get older, you try to embrace that whole Christmas spirit with your family, you know, your own family. But I feel like the last three or four years, there's been like hit after hit of life just punching everybody down that I have no love love loss for Christmas ever again. Like, I can't stand it. This time of year comes around and I get more and more emotional because it's like I want to love Christmas and... This movie's the only thing that still, like, I secretly watch this movie every year because, like, it makes me feel like I did when I watched it when I was a kid. Now it's like I'm looking around going, maybe I can put Christmas lights over there. <laughs> maybe I can put a tree. Like, it, it gives me that feeling. And I didn't understand the whole, like, divorce situation when I was a kid. And I didn't understand, like, any of that plot until I became older and I went through you know, a divorce as a child, you know, I've never been married. I will never be married. Yeah. <laughs> like that's something you and I will not deal with. We have our own reasons why marriage is not for us, but it's, it's more painful to watch those scenes now. So for a while I didn't watch it like for maybe like four or five years, I was like, no, the Santa Claus is stupid because like it ruins people's lives. Yeah. Like 20 year old Leah had problems, you know, but uh, whatever. <laughs> it's neither here or there. <laughs> But I wanted to pick this one because this is the spirit of Christmas to me. This gets back to, you know, the main reason why Christmas is a big deal to a lot of people. It's because of the meaning of spending time with loved ones, seeing their faces when you got them something that they wanted or something that you didn't even know they wanted. You know, making a meal, spending time with people, you know. That's what I want from Christmas. I could care less about the presents. I could care less about commercialism. I want to put up little lights on a tree and hang out with my friends and family and maybe put this movie on and trash it because there are some elements of this movie that are fucking horrible. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I censored myself. Maybe it's because it's a Disney movie. It was not originally a Disney movie. I remember that. Or was it? Was this always a Disney movie? I think, yeah. <laughs> Based on some of the stuff I'm reading. Buena yes. Vista. It was owned by Buena Vista Pictures, which was a subsidiary of Disney, but back yeah. then it was not Disney yet. Um, so I wrote no notes for this movie, obviously, because I know this one pretty well. Um, I wrote very few. Yeah. And this one's not going to be anything like last week's movie. <laughs> like, no. This movie is 
I wouldn't say a timeless classic because it's not exactly 20 years old yet. It's not there. I don't think ti- timeless needs to be like a couple decades in my opinion. No, but it is one that people go back to. Always. Like me. I hate Christmas. I go back to this movie because the scene where um, the ex-wife is questioning, are we doing the right thing? Are we sure we should be doing this? Like watching her struggle as an adult, like you realize like you have to make these adult decisions like for the good of your family, for the good of your child. Yeah. And you have to think back to like when you were a child, like you think, oh, were my parents doing the same thing? Were they internally struggling with these like adult decisions that I never knew about it? That's one of the things when I was a kid and I asked my parents, like, I don't understand this. And they're like, oh, no, it's it's something you you're you don't you're not going to experience. Uh, cut to a decade later. Yeah, we experienced it, you know. <laughs> a decade later, my parents divorced. Like, it was it was weird, you know. But enough about my family. I'm going to get a call after this episode from my mother. You crying on a podcast because of me? Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> well, Again. <laughs> I think a good place to start is uh, just talking a little bit about the background of this movie yes in general so like i think it's worth noting that for one week in november of 1994 tim allen had the number one movie in the box office the number one rated television show home improvement home improvement and the number one new york times best-selling book oh his autobiography uh, don't stand too close to a naked man yep Tim Allen was the man in 94. He was. And his career has since dropped off quite a bit. Well, I don't. Um, I, I also have to say, like, it dropped off, but I'm. I don't. We don't do politics on this. No. We don't do politics on here. But I find amusement from Last Man Standing. That's his newer sitcom. Um, he's, I have not seen that one. He's a gun toting Republican oh, who boy. owns a, like, kind of like a Bass Pro type of shop. Mm. And he has daughters that are very much the other side of political. And it's kind of like a family life thing, almost like home improvement, but for a different generation. Yeah. I watched the first, I think, three seasons of it religiously. I like Tim Allen. I always have liked Tim Allen. Side note, I did not know Tim Allen's real name is Timothy Allen Dick. Tim Dick. So instead of being called Mr. Dick, you want to be called Mr. Allen. I think he made a good choice. Oh, yeah, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Nobody wants to be known as Mr. Dick other than Andy Dick. Um, <laughs> this was his first leading film role. I remember this was a big deal. Like, he didn't know if he wanted to do this. The The role of Scott Calvin was initially written for Bill Murray. Oh, no. And, Bill Murray's too much of an asshole for well, this part. After reading the script, he declined it because he said he felt it didn't fit his humor which I agree. I honestly agree I can see the little quips that Alan was making where it would have been funny in the beginning with Bill Murray but when it got to the end no you always see Bill Murray in Scrooged. Yeah. That's to me he's Scrooge he will not be. I feel like watching this movie it's almost like how could this not have been written for Tim Allen because so much of his performance in this feels like it's just a showcase for his humor. This just popped in my head. Other comedians back in the 90s that could have done this. Bob Saget. Yeah. Bob Saget, I could have seen. Because he already had the family man 
persona. Jeff Foxworthy. Oh, God, no. Really? I think Jeff Foxworthy would have been an interesting choice, but he still has that family man kind of humor. It would have made like a whole different fucking movie. It would have made more of a redneck feeling movie. (laughs) Bill Engvall. I think he would have fit a little Uh, more in it. All right. Can you tell I like the blue collar comedy? I door? guess. <laughs> I it's the only like uh, redneck kind of humor I like. Um, what other comedians? Oh, speaking of comedians from the '90s, did you see that Gallagher passed away recently? I did not. The watermelon smashing comedian passed away in his like late '60s, early '70s. Oh, that definitely was a um, no pun intended blow to my heart <laughs> because my mom saw Gallagher when she was pregnant with me. Oh, wow. And she got watermelon on her. <laughs> so I've been hit with a watermelon via tummy. <laughs> so, But it's one of those, like, I saw that and then watching this, it kind of, it hits you, like, right in the, right in the feels. Um, another one we saw was Bernard. David Krumholtz is making a reprise in the film. As well, as well as Lloyd, Eric Lloyd, who plays you Charlie. Mean the series, right? The series, yeah, yeah sorry. Um, Eric Lloyd is my age. Uh, he's going to be 37. And then Bernard is going to be 45. So, like you said when we were watching the movie, like, how are they going to play off, like, in the film, Bernard is, like, in his early 20s. In the first film. He's in his early 20s. He's in his early 20s, but his character says that he's very he's old. He's very, very old. And I'm like... Now you're 45, and he's he's seen some shit. I mean, he's been through life. He looks decent. His age, but like, how are they gonna write off that? It's only been like 20 years. Why do you look like? Why is the elf suddenly very much older? I think I have. Maybe they might de-age him. Ah, it's possible. But the previews didn't have him de-age. No, I I think they're gonna just kind of explain it away. Like just, uh, we age differently. Oh, I uh, I, I did some coke. I'm an elf with a coke problem. <laughs> like, started snorting tinsel. Yeah, that just... shit will wreck you, man. <laughs> Look what it did to that um jail cell. Yeah. Right. And then Eric Lloyd, who plays Charlie, is reprising Charlie, but Charlie is 36, and I'm like, oh wow, like that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. I'm really glad he uh. He's reply, re, reprising his role. I can't speak because I got emotional in the first five minutes and now I have a headache. Um, so, do you have any fun facts about this movie at all? Or were those? Uh, there's plenty of uh, a lot of little information throughout this. Like there's a lot of little things that you can blink and miss it yeah. type of stuff. Like uh, some of the bigger ones are when Laura's looking at the mystery date game, uh, you can actually hear the jingle from the original commercials in the music. That's what that jingle... I always thought that was like a little bell. Like, you can hear that. No, that's from the original board game commercial. Oh, okay. That's cool. Um, that During the montage towards the end, uh, that little dance thing that Tim Allen does, that was all improvised. Oh, yeah, when they're, give me all your yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, that was improvised, but the director liked it, so he kept it in. Um, another one is that there is a hidden Mickey Mouse in this movie. Where? So, it is... 
Uh, where, what shot? I don't know what shot it is, but oh, uh, so when Scott and Charlie are leaving the North Pole in the sleigh, and they pass by the moon, in the moon there's a distinct shape of Mickey Mouse. Oh, that's cool. Which is cool. Uh, let's see. I'm obsessed with finding hidden Mickey's when yeah. I go to the when I go to Disney. So there are several portraits in the uh, Santa's bedroom of past Santas, mm. and that you can you can miss it easily. But it's to show you that there the the role has changed hands many times before. Yeah, making Santa this iconic figure that will never go away. It kind of brings around the whole feeling of of Santa Claus is. So I remember when I stopped believing in Santa Claus, but I had to play like I still remembered because yeah. my siblings are, you know, a decade younger than me. So it became my parents explained to me that Santa Claus is not real, but the spirit of him is. Yeah. Christmas and Santa are all about bringing that spirit and that hope. And with young children, you you don't necessarily want to lie to young children. But I've always told my brother and sister growing up, like, you know, when they were like, Santa's not real. I'm like, Santa is real. It's just what you make of it. Like, anybody can be Santa Claus. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, somebody giving you a gift or, you know, somebody looking at you and be like, hey, are you okay? Do you need help? It's that spirit. So it was one of those things that I was like, you know. I don't know how I never noticed this one. Mm. During the the scene where they do the parents' day at school, yes, one of the kids in the classroom is an elf. They very clearly have elf ears. Oh, I didn't know that. And it's very clear when he pulls out the snow globe. You can see the person. Oh, that's insane. Proof, as you said, they're among us. And the elf (laughs) is the only one who doesn't laugh at him. Oh, the elf just sits there and is like, okay. Yeah. Motherfucker. Never noticed that. With how many things. times I've seen this movie. Like now, next time, next time I do watch this, I'm going to fucking look for all of this shit. <laughs> I'm going to make you watch this around Christmas time. Oh God. Who, who, in the, who, who listening wants to make me, uh, who want, oh, backtrack a little bit better. Who out there wants to make me make Sean watch the entire series? Cause he's never seen the sequels. The two other movies. I have not. The second one's cute because Santa Claus has to find a Mrs. Claus. Yeah, I, I know about them. But. And the third one is uh, Jack Frost Comes to Ruin His Day, who was played by Martin Short, who was really big back in like the mid 2000s. So it was kind of making, it kind of made sense. So here's a, uh, this one's kind of cool, I, I think. Mm. So Tim Allen has a criminal record. Okay. And Disney is very strict on hiring people who are, are never hiring people who are ex-cons. Yes. They made an exception for this. What was his what was his criminal? I don't know, it doesn't say. But um I think it's kinda cool that they were they were willing to bend their rules and give him a shot. Because sometimes people have a record that's like not anything bad. I'm guessing by your reaction, it was something bad. October 2nd, 1978, (laughs) Allen was arrested at Kalamazoo Battle Creek International Airport for possession of over 650 grams or 1.43 pounds of cocaine. He pleaded guilty to felony drug trafficking and provided the names of the other dealers. 
<laughs> he served two, two after serving two years and four months in federal correction institution in Sandstone, Minnesota. And then in 1998, after this movie came out, he was arrested in Birmingham, Michigan, uh, for being under the influence. Holy shit. That's a pretty big thing to that forgive. That is a huge, huge... How... There had to be some kind of, like, money-changing hands or something for Disney to just wash that under the rug. <laughs> I mean, that was back in 78. It's very different. Also, yeah, I'm right. sorry, but Tim Allen looks like my stepfather in that photo. Look at that fucking stash, Look at that bud. stash, bro! Whoa. <laughs> yep. Wow. That's kind of funny. Damn. He's a car enthusiast. <laughs> We're sitting here going, so? Did last, last Man Standing just ended last year? Holy shit, how long was it on? 2011 to 2020, uh, 2021. Oh my god, and he played Tim Taylor? He made a home improvement cameo. I gotta rewatch Last Man Stand. God damn. <laughs> Alright, back to the movie. So, possession of cocaine. Not just like, oh, I got a baggie in my back pocket. Almost two, almost a pound and a half yeah, of coke. I was expecting like, oh, he had weed on him or but something. Yeah, weed's not a big deal, but, but coke? That's a bit, you know. Damn, worse. Disney. <laughs> You just let that one slide. Good job. You're killing it. Well, Disney was a little more lax in the 90s, I guess. Not the powerhouse they are today. <laughs> somebody says something wrong on Twitter and they fire somebody on the spot. Oh, Jesus. Right. Let's not get into that. We're not going to talk political. No. No. Well, I think we should get into the film. All right. So the movie opens with a typical... Christmas party in uh, in the 90s with uh, misogyny, uh, adultery, and um, an ex-husband lying to his ex-wife about, you know, where he is. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny that, like, they kind of, like, it was the 90s, so, like, the, the office um, politics were... In full force. In full force. They they don't sugarcoat the ideas of like the the guys and their secretaries yeah. and all those little and Tim nuances. Allen takes the microphone from his female counterpart and's like, listen, we want to hear her talk. Like he definitely shuts her down. Yeah, in the middle of her I noticed speech. that. I thought it was weird. I was like, what the she's fuck? She's in the middle of something and he's like, look here, this is what it really is. And she's like, and I'm like, this is like watching it now. I'm like. Oh, no. And then he's like, oh, well, you know, Johnson's got his secretary on his lap. And I'm like, they really make that joke? <laughs> well, she also gets to then be a judgmental Judy later on when he starts to pudge out. Right? <laughs> oh, no. That was justified where she's like yeah. a B, Scott. Isn't it a big B? I'm surprised she didn't go, you're fat and you're an asshole. <laughs> That's what I would have been like. Um... We see that Scott is late to meet his ex-wife, Laura, and her psychiatrist husband, Dr. Neil Miller, who is... This is played by Judge Reinhold. I hate Neil in this movie so much. I know you're not you're, supposed to. Yeah, you're, you're supposed, supposed to hate to. him. But, like, he... If he didn't, like, call out Charlie and Scott for acting like this, half of the shit in this movie wouldn't have happened. 
No, he's he's honestly he's definitely the bad guy. Essentially, his, his character is being very manipulative throughout the movie because he's pushing his views onto Laura, uh, Charlie, Charlie, and, and Scott. Scott ultimately. Like essentially, he convinces Laura to give up visitation rights yeah. because he's crazy. How about you listen to him and talk to him for a minute? Like, and also he's. Everybody just goes along with what he says because he's a doctor. Now you now you wonder why I don't want to see a therapist or a psychiatrist for my problems. Because I have these guys as role models. Yeah. Right? I do feel that they do a really good job throughout this early section of the movie. Like, they set up Scott as he's, he's an obviously an absent father. Um, they make him... He's sort of self-centered. He's kind, he's, of, like a, he's kind of douchey. He's not a douchebag. Yeah. He's just douchey. Well, he's a workaholic. He's someone who cares very much about his job and his success mm. over his family. Yeah, like the son doesn't even want to be near him in the beginning. Like, no, I don't want to. Do I have to be right. here? Do I have to spend time with him? But in that regard, they also make him sympathetic. Like you said, he doesn't like his son doesn't really want to spend time with him. He's uh his ex-wife is with a new guy who's like perceive perceivably better than him. Yeah. Um and he feels threatened by that. So it's like you can kind of put yourself in his shoes and like all down to the things where it's like, oh, he has his son for Christmas Eve, but he fucking burns the turkey. They have to go to the restaurant and Daddy's- he feels like shit. Yeah. Like, like in that regard, it's like, well, when you're um, when you're a divorced dad and you have visitation rights on certain holidays and weekends, like I watched that and it's it's weird because it's like, and not just my dad, like other people's parents, you watch that and it's like they, it's like without a wife or without a female, like someone there like they don't know what to do sometimes they're like uh how do i do and you see all the food on the table that is just absolutely burnt and the whole house is like decorated almost like a a museum art piece kind of thing with these fine art things like there's no life in scott's house yeah and it's like once he becomes santa there's a little more life breathed there's a little more life that's breathed back into him and his surrounding life, like it, like even the lighting's very sharp in the beginning. Yeah. I noticed in his, I thought it was an apartment, but it's like a townhouse. Sort of. Like in the beginning, it's... I thought it was an apartment, but then like slowly it turns into like this nice two story townhouse, which I'm like, they have to change the. I don't think they did. I think the idea was like it to feel very cold and mm. almost apartment like at first. Yeah. But like once you see. The night everything starts to happen, like they obviously go outside and it's it's a full house. You just see very little of it. Yeah. And that's probably just due to the budget. They probably just only wanted to show you a couple key areas. Yeah. And it looks like the room Charlie was sleeping in, the room Scott's sleeping in, they just re-angled the bed. Yeah, they might have. Ah, when Disney was broke. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So after Scott burns the turkey, they end up at Denny's where he is surrounded by other divorced and or single dads with their children. I thought that was a nice touch. That is a nice touch to like show you the only people that are out are pathetic male figures who have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, they've either done the same thing as him. They burn the turkey or... They're just just really absent kind of people who are like, cool, let's go do this. Like, the only thing you think of is Denny's, 
which I don't think Denny's are open on Christmas Eve. Uh, I don't know for sure. I've never tried to go to a Denny's on fucking Christmas the Eve. The only place I've ever gone to is House of Wu. That's here. <laughs> Christmas <laughs> Eve. That's a Chinese place. Like around here, Chinese places, you throw a rock, you will hit a Chinese place. Yeah. Or Asian places. They're Literally everywhere. a dime a dozen. So, you know, if you live in California, you want really good Chinese food. American Chinese food. Come to the East Coast. They're good here. Um... Scott goes home with Charlie and he reads him uh, The Night Before Christmas. Yes. I keep thinking, I'm like, no, that's a that's a Halloween Christmas movie. That's The Nightmare Before Christmas, Leah. The Night Before Christmas. He reads the whole book and Charlie points out like, oh, what does Rose such a clatter mean? Like, points out certain things that all the little things he's pointing out sets up jokes later. Yes. So when they hear the noises on the roof and Scott goes to investigate with Charlie... Or tells Charlie to stay there. Charlie doesn't fucking listen to anything, by the way. No. Charlie is such a, I'll do what I want, independent 90s kid, that I want to slap him every time. Like, <laughs> sit the fuck down. You're done since stay there. Stay there. Um, half of this shit wouldn't have happened if you just stayed there. But obviously, we all know that Scott was, it was destiny for him to become Santa Claus. It wasn't an accident. It was a destiny thing. You find out later in the, in the other movies. Um, so once... He goes outside, he startles Santa Claus, falls down, picks up the suit, boom, you are now Santa Claus. So here is Skinny. Well, to be fair, he's kind of made to put on the suit. Yeah. By you know, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie makes him put on the suit and makes him do all this. But, you know, Scott just wants to be a good dad. Like, fine, I'll put on the suit. There, are you happy? Well, guess what? By doing that, you have a lifetime commitment. Good job, buddy. Um... They get the suit, they go on the roof, they meet the reindeer. Comet is disgusting and hilarious. I do am amused by fart jokes by Comet. It is funny. <laughs> they only get worse in the other movies. And what drives me crazy is the other movies, there is sort of a new reindeer. And the voice they give him is... I'm not even kidding. Like the newer movies, there's like a... Well, Weird I, reindeer. I feel like they, as the movies went on, which is one of the reasons I never watched the sequels, the budgets obviously got much lower. They got, they were like just kind of making them to be pushed out on DVD. Yeah. Uh, this new one, I think, is possibly a. I think it's got a bigger budget than this. This. Did. Yeah, I think they're trying to bring it back to a bigger budget, but also fuel their Disney Plus fucking train mm, let's see now the two of them are going around the world delivering presents obviously there's a bunch of humor in here where he's yelling at a little girl to go to sleep I'm lactose intolerant um, why are you asking me these questions he's being the douchey kind of man that he is and once they return you know back he's like oh okay we're done let's return home they end up in the North Pole where you meet Judy Bernard and all of the elves were anywhere between five. No, there was like a three-year-old kid there at one point to like, I would say 10, 10 years old, maybe 11. Like they used a bunch of children. And as a child myself at that time, I went, why couldn't I have been an elf? I want to be an elf. Bernard explains that he's now Santa Claus. He's like, well, I don't want to be Santa Claus. I, I didn't agree to this. He goes, did you put on the suit? Yeah, well, now you're Santa Claus. 
He's like, I don't understand. Do you have the card? It is Santa Claus is spelt with an E. And basically it says the Santa Claus is the exception of all Santa's duties and responsibilities bequeathed to the person who puts on the suit, whether by um, determining by fate or by accident. So basically it's a legality thing and it's hilarious. I thought it was funny when I was much older watching this, maybe my teens, that that theme runs through the whole thing. Like, oh, did you turn the card behind the card? There's the Mrs. Claus, where you have to get married or you cannot continue to be Santa Claus because you have to have a Mrs. Claus. Yeah. And then there's another one where uh, with the third movie, like, oh, you have to meet with the other um, magical beings, like the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, Mother Earth. Like, you have to meet with all of these people once a year and kind of talk to them about what's going on in the world. Um, and then, you know, Martin Short's character gets all, I'm going to take over kind of thing. And they all have to band together. Like the premise of the things I'm like, oh, okay, they're continuing the story. But like you said, they just kind of go down. They're building the world. Yeah. Building the universe. Which I, I liked the Mrs. Claus one. That was cute. I really did like that because I don't think that his ex-wife would have fixed myself. I don't think his ex-wife would have made a good Mrs. Claus. No. Because, like I said, and no offense to anybody, she has always had a art dealer power lesbian look to me. Like, she will sue the pants off of you at any moment. I, um... No offense to the lesbians out there. This is actually a good point to... I think I have. I think I have a basic theory as to what's going to happen by the end of that series. Oh, really? What do you think? Because I know the premise of the series. I don't know anything about it other than the trailer that we watched. Mm. But I think, personally, especially knowing now that he's reprising his role, I think the ultimate goal of that series is for Tim Allen to pass the Santa Claus role to his son. Honestly. Especially with the like what he says in this movie. Charlie's like, I'm gonna go into the family business, which makes sense because Charlie becomes like his tech help as he gets older. Mm. Because by the time the third movie comes out, Charlie at that point, who the actor is my age, was in was like just turned twenty. He's twenty in that movie, Mm. and he's like, oh, I'm going to school for this and that. Like he does a lot of the tech stuff, so he did go into the family business. But, oh, I have a bone to pick with this movie, by the way. I had an existential crisis during this movie, and Sean was oh like, you're God. fine. But we'll get there. Um, And, like, I see it as... Because the premise of the movie is uh, Santa Claus... Uh, Scott Calvin turns 65 and realizes he's missing steps to being Santa Claus and he can't do it forever. He's been doing it for 20 years. Um, it, it might be time to pass the mantle, but he want, he doesn't want to do what the other Santa Claus did and just let anybody else take it over. He wants to, he wants to be the one to choose his successor. So I think that by the end, Charlie will take it over because Charlie is going, is the same age that Scott is when he started being Santa Claus. They said he was, he's, you're 38. I fucking died. I'm 37. Like this movie came out when I was fucking nine. (laughs) I went like, I'm, I'm Scott Calvin's age now, almost like a year off. I'm sorry. But that, that's one thing that made me think, well, maybe Charlie will take it over. Maybe Charlie's, the next thing is like, Charlie has to find a Mrs. Claus, you know, but I didn't know, watch, like reading the synopsis, um, Scott and his wife have another kid who was raised in the North Pole, was not raised 
in normal society. So all that kid knows is the Santa Claus life. And he's like, I want my children to have a life, a normal life. I want, you know, to grow old with, you know, my wife, with Holly. Her name's Holly Claus. <laughs> Which I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, but it, it's... You can see where the premise of the movie is like, you you got to be stupid if you don't realize yeah, what yeah, exactly yeah. the movie is going to be or the show is going to be about. But I don't know. I also think that the sequel's unnecessary. Oh, they're all unnecessary. Like this would have been fine just being the one movie. They didn't but. even leave it like it's not open ended for anything. They just left it, you know, at a nice point where they're delivering gifts like they're roundabout yeah. back in the same time where they started. It's very obvious that they made they continued making these movies because they were they made money. It was huge. It was it made almost 200 million dollars. Like I think it's also great that they they took the time to make sure that they were well written. Yeah. Like it all builds. It keeps adding to the overall yeah. Main themes. Because the last one was made in 2006 and it's 2022. So they had to have done this last year. Mm. So they had to have pitched the pitched it in like 20, excuse me, 2020. So, I mean, I can't stop yawning. Oh my God. So, I mean, like, as much as I love this movie, I don't know if I want to watch the, the the limited series one I think Disney's milking all their popular stuff for everything because you know Disney has more money than God at this point yeah honestly like you've got Star Wars you've got all of the Disney movies you have Marvel they have Marvel like guys pump the brakes a little bit I I need an ease but, up on the shit that you put out but I also understand why they're doing it because they launched Disney plus they have a streaming platform now where they're doing things on Disney plus that like the other day I kind of really realized it they're doing things on that platform that I have been in the back of my head screaming why aren't all these other things things or uh, platforms or things doing these types of things and I noticed that Disney Plus is doing them so it's like with Star Wars for example they have all the movies out there they have all the holiday specials they have everything Star Wars all these new series they're not they're not oh we're shunning this one they put everything out but they're also putting out this other content like oh and or no not even that that like I'm talking about like they have these these random little series where it's like, oh, this is just a fly through of the ship. This is a oh, what about the little thing we saw where it's just Grogu playing with the little that. Ghibli sprites? I was yeah, like, oh, this is the cute. animated things. They're doing. Um, they have the I am Groot little shorts too the for behind Marvel the too. Scene stuff, yeah. the light magic, yep. all of that. They're doing all these di- exploring all these different avenues. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 
Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Sun shifted. Don't worry about it. They're exploring all these different avenues for their properties. That it's like, why doesn't Netflix do this stuff? Why doesn't Amazon do this stuff? Why don't fucking YouTubers do this stuff? They have all the freedom in the world, but they never do it. Not a lot of them. Some of them do. But it drives me crazy. It's like you have so much freedom. And so far, Disney Plus is the first one I'm seeing actually explore that. I I will say there are a couple YouTubers. And there the, are some. There are. There's only one YouTuber that comes to mind that is doing shit like that, and it's Markiplier. Yeah. With his in space heist, Bonus Honest. Yeah. Bonus Honest ended two years ago when they just did their uh, their interview, their anniversary talk about it. Right. And it was Markiplier on his channel, Ethan on his channel, Crank Gameplays, and it was an interview between the two of them. You had to watch them separately. And to be fair. I think, like, to be fair, I want to, you know, make mention that it's not, so a lot of it comes down to just the amount of time, especially for YouTubers, like, you only have so much time. If you're huge, like, somebody like Disney or Netflix, or you you have all the time and crews and resources at your disposal, fucking utilize it. If I could, like, if some of these YouTubers could, they probably would do more. I would love if they did Mike Flanagan, who does, you know, The House on Haunted Hill, Bly Manor. I would have loved behind the scenes for that. Yeah. To see how they did some of that. To have, you know, seeing little clips like that. To see interviews with the cast. I would love a behind the scenes of the uh, Haunting of Hill House with that single shot from the funeral home of Nell's funeral. That episode alone would was honestly it's one of the best things Netflix ever put out in right. my opinion but that would intrigue me to know how they did it how everybody felt how many takes it took I want to know these details some people I know they don't give a shit but how intriguing is it after every movie or series we watch of Marvel there's the behind the scenes released the same day and we're like, oh, we got to watch the behind the scenes. And it's interesting to see all of, I all I remember is the Hawkeye one. Yeah, Hawkeye guy. The, we the did Hawkeye that for guy. so long. The Hawkeye that guy. That Hawkeye guy. Um, we watched that immediately after we finished the series because yeah. I was like, I'm going to hate Hawkeye. I'm not going mean, to like it. We basically we do it, it for all the Marvel stuff. We watched their, uh, what the hell is it called? They have a whole series oh, dedicated God. to it. Uh, assembled. Assembled, yeah. It's amazing. And I love the fact that they're giving us these little tidbits, these little sneak peeks. 
We have not seen it's a, an advertisement for right there. We have not seen Wakanda forever yet. They're We're, still making one shots. Yeah. They're rare now, but they're they're making still doing them. them. Like they're exploring the different avenues. Like you have the freedom, utilize it. Or this thing where Chris Helmsworth Helmsworth Hemsworth Hemsworth is now in his own series where he's going to places around the world. Yeah. Utilize the actors you have. Oh, okay. We've got Chris. We've got other Chris. We've got Robert. Like, let's utilize them. Yep. They don't want to continue doing these parts. They're done playing these parts. Some of them have been playing them for almost a decade and a half now. Yeah. Almost two decades at this point. Because I think, what, the uh, Iron Man came out, what, early 2000s? Yeah, I don't remember the exact year. Like, but... <laughs> I think it's amazing. Yeah. I- Disney is, while Disney is pumping out material, I think they're doing something right. I do. That's why Netflix is losing subscribers. That's why they're losing money. Sure, you put out you put out Stranger Things. You put out this huge thing. Do they realize when everybody's done with Stranger Things after season five, that's it? I don't think anybody's really going to have no. it. I do think we're getting very off topic. I think we got to get back to the movie. <laughs> nah, I think we're fine. <laughs> we're talking about what Disney Plus is doing, and this is a Disney movie, and yeah. So I think let's let's, let's go back. Um, I think you are right. It is setting it up for Charlie to take over, and if Charlie doesn't take over, I'll be very shocked. I will be very very shocked if yeah. it's not Charlie, because Charlie loves his dad. Well, he doesn't like his dad right now. So once they get to the North Pole, he learns all about what Santa does, what they have to get done. And the movie is very straightforward from here to the end. And it's not a movie that we have to go completely step by step. Um, Bernard says that they have Bernard has tells Scott he has 11 months to get everything in order and he has to be back there by Thanksgiving to start getting ready. Um, Scott pretty much is like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to drink my cocoa. Then I'm going to go to bed. He wakes up in his own bed. It's Christmas morning. Charlie's like, oh, we went to the North Pole and Santa came to his mom. And she starts getting a little worried because, you know, why? Yesterday you didn't believe. Today you believe. Previously, they discussed, like, not pushing... The Santa the issue. San- like, yeah. because Neil didn't agree with it, and yeah. neither did she really. And But that's another thing that I get really upset with this movie. There's no proper co-parenting. And I know co-parenting no. really is a newer concept that's come up. But I think co-parenting is the smartest thing. Like, I don't agree with staying married for the kids. I don't agree with getting married for your children. No, because your disdain for each other is going to affect them. And you know what? It does. Not gonna lie. It does. You don't like the other person. Your children. Your children watch everything. I'm gonna say it louder for the people in the back. Your children pay attention to fucking everything, guys. Yeah. Do not stay together for your children. Because you are souring their perception of the other person. If you start to say bad things about one partner, it gets back to the other partner. And it just builds this disdain. Co-parenting, I believe, is the smartest thing to do. Say that the two of you could not get along. The two of you did not 
you know, being married to mom or being married to dad didn't work. So now we are friends, but we're always going to be supportive and there for you and your siblings. Yeah. I 100% agree with co-parenting. That's where this pisses me off. There's no co-parenting. It's like they hate each other. They know they hate each other. You know Scott hates Neil. Yeah. And it's leeching onto Charlie. Charlie starts to not like his dad because it's influenced from his mother and stepfather. Do you really like this film's approach? By use, It utilizes a very realistic idea of psychoanalysis yes toward the situation of santa and elves and magic being real and all that so like we're experiencing it with charlie and uh scott like we know it's real real, but when charlie goes around talking about it and all these like that all these things are real the adults approach it as mental illness and the kids approach it as you're oh you're stupid you're stupid like you see Charlie being treated differently, but it's like, but you in your mind are like, but it's the truth. And then you in your brain, in your reality brain are like, is this, is this one of the reasons why children are bullied in like elementary school? Yeah. Like I stopped believing very young and my parents were like, do not ruin it for other children. Right. My parents did the Santa Claus thing right. You know, to the point where I played the Easter bunny one year at my mom's corporate gig when I was in my 20s. And my brother and sister believed I was the Easter Bunny and I did not tell them I was not the... I was the Easter Bunny. I told them when they were in their 20s and they were shocked. (laughs) They were like, wait, you were that Easter Bunny? I was like, yes, I was. How come you didn't tell us sooner? Because you don't ruin the effect for children. Yeah. And the fact that Neil is psychoanalyzing this kid this young, it's like, will you let the kid just be a freaking kid? Yeah, and it's all because he stopped believing very young so it's like he feels that everybody should be desensitized and it's like that's not that that is the people that ruin shit well that's like me saying like every kid in the world should be watching fucking violent horror movies at three years old just because that's how i grew up doesn't mean that every kid should grow up the same way (laughs) and you didn't grow up maliciously no i didn't (laughs) it was one of those things where they liked it they wanted to show you and you showed an appreciation for it yeah flipped my side my parents wouldn't show me that but my parents showed me music my parents showed me the things that they love so our parents do influence what we like but our parents did it right like having your parents be like you can't do that you can't do that you would have chosen a more malicious way to view that and to do that you know when my parents found out i was drinking at a young age it didn't end up in a fight in a huge thing it ended up in in like don't get mad at my parents like ever people it was the late 90s early 2000s calm down it's a different time 20 years ago like, if you're going to do it, do it in the house. Let me know about it. It was a parenting thing. It was a, look, what you're doing is wrong. But if you do it with me, maybe it'll solve things in the future. Yeah. It's the same thing where these people are like, children shouldn't be doing that. You can't do that. Don't do that. Kids are going to find a way to do it. They're always going to find a way. And when Charlie is being pushed, no, you can't believe in Santa Claus. Don't believe in Santa Claus. He believes harder. Yeah. And then there's the unfortunate what his parents think delusion of Scott literally turning into Santa Claus. They literally pull rights away from Scott. 
Yeah. But Scott is sitting there like, well, I'm not telling you my answer. I'm not. I'm trying to deter. I'm trying to solve this. Like. But then at the same time, I'm dealing with this physical change that I can't control. I can't do anything. And I think that's what I like most about this movie. I think it's very well written. And it tackles everything from a dark but very real, realistic viewpoint. Like, this is what would happen if you introduce magic, Santa, elves, all that into our reality. That's why I believe if there truly is magic and fantasy and all that, it stays hidden. Yeah. A lot of people will basically go on a witch hunt for this stuff so if there really is magic if there really is monsters demons all of this stuff stay hidden yeah the world is nowhere near ready for this shit so if santa claus really is real and these kids that believe in him let them believe yeah like i still at this age want to believe that santa is real i really do because he's like this embodiment of innocence even when Scott goes through the changes of being Scott to being Santa, it's this this innocence that he gains back to where I feel like he becomes a whole person again, where he gains what he was missing in the beginning when he was kind of douchey. Yeah. I have a slight problem, though. Uh-oh. With the logic of this movie. All right. Just a small one. Lay it on. And it, it's such a minute thing, but... You'd think that with all the the magic stuff, with making fireplaces appear where there isn't one, uh, reindeer, elves, all these different elements, you think there would be also a magical element that kept everyone either asleep while Santa does his thing or kept his actions silent from everyone in the house? I think that comes with learning practice i think scott as he gets like more seasoned he'll get better his first run through he was bumbly he didn't know what he was doing by the next time he got better and better so maybe as the 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 seasonal like you've been a seat you're a seasoned santa now maybe in five years he's silent nobody yeah, I knows seen he's the there other movies i don't really know i i'm uh, this is hypothetical <laughs> just based off of his first run through obviously was bumbling. Yeah. And he made a lot of noise. He almost got shot. Of course. The second time we see him run through when he's actually embraced the Santa role, he still gets caught by the police. <laughs> like you'd think there would be well, something that they were waiting. So if you're have you ever waited up for Santa? No. Okay. I did when I was a kid. I would always try and sneak and wait for Santa. This is how I, I learned it wasn't Santa Claus. I came down the stairs and I saw my dad putting the presents under the tree and I was mortified, but I never told my parents. I just kind of... Surprise. Yeah, I, I embraced the fact that Santa Claus wasn't a real person. It was like the spirit of the holiday kind of thing. But if you think about that, like, you wait up for Santa. You're like, oh, I want Santa. Like, I forget where I was going with this. Fuck. Oh my, oh my God. I d fucking train wrecked. My brain just went poof. Oh, and the other thing. What if as he's like gotten used to being Santa, Charlie's helped him with better technology 
to be quiet, like muffle his sound, like yeah, sound, stuff sense. like that. Yeah. In so, the world of this movie, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But in the real world, like we have no pipes in this house leading to our apartment. We have a cubby. Does Santa come through the cubby? If it climbed through the fucking window. Oh my God. Good luck with the cats. <laughs> <laughs> um, so jumping around, like at this point, Charlie believes that Santa's real. Scott's going through gaining weight. Uh, growing a beard, getting bushier long hair. Like, he goes from being a 38-year-old dude to looking like a 60-year-old grandpa within the span of, I would say, three or four months. To the point where it's in the middle of summer. There's a soccer practice for um, Charlie. And kids are lining up in the middle of the summer to sit on Santa's lap. And that's when they pull visitation rights from him because she thinks that he's creating this delusion to get Charlie to love him more. And that's one thing I didn't agree with. I was like, I hate that scene because the minute she's like, I cannot believe you'd stoop so low as to change your physical appearance to get your son to like you. Wouldn't wouldn't you want to go have him go from the douchey kind of dad who doesn't pay attention to a dad that cares? You would, but they're only looking at it from a psychological effect standpoint. Like, you're trying to trick your son into believing that you're something that you're not in order to make him like you. And it's like, I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, like you're on the side of Scott because this is his story. I mean, I'm only on Laura and Neil's side for a very small amount of time because when when Scott says this has to be our secret, do not tell anybody. I agree with Scott on that point. Yes, I can be Santa Claus. You can believe in me as Santa Claus, but you have to not tell anybody for the good of you, for the good of your own psyche, because other people, kids are mean, adults are judgmental. Even his mom and his stepdad are judgmental. They're judging him based on his beliefs. And I hate that about Laura. Like when that scene happens, I get so fuming. I'm like, if I was Laura, I'd be like, is this doing any harm to Charlie? Is it honestly, is it harming him? Like, I hate Neil so much. And I guess that's the point of Neil. You even said like he's he's written to be hated. He literally is the main uh, protagonist and the antagonist protagonist. Which one's the bad one? He's the villain of the story, basically. Antagonist. Like Scott is his own villain, but. But Neil is also a villain, too, as well. There's no real villain other than, you know, people's perception. Like, the judgment of other people. It isn't until Scott actually embraces, like, he he embraces himself as Santa. He loses Charlie. Like, they take visitation rights away from him. Yeah. He has to go to the North Pole to get ready. Like... That's when he starts embracing, like, okay, I'm uh, I'm this person, and I'm going to do my, the best job I can. And then the whole thing changes, and everybody changes their mind when, like, oh, my God, you really are him. And I'm like, you know what? You don't... Uh, I'm selfish in the way of I want to look at them and be like, you don't get to enjoy this. Like, you, you don't deserve to enjoy the fact that I am Santa. You don't. You should sit there and be like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Like, she does, but Neil never really does that. No, but at the same time, it's showing you that he's beyond that. Maybe I'm like, just petty. But, yeah, the I think the point is that, like, he is Santa. He's forgiving. He's 
Like, no matter what you've done. Fuck him up, Santa. You, you should have got, gotten that total tank and taken him out. Yeah, you deserve to be, like, you deserve to have the happiness that everyone else does. And I think that's a better message to get across. Of course. Like, he could have been petty. He, he could have. He really honestly could have been petty. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I feel that shows now, if this was remade and came out now, it would be a little more petty. It wouldn't be as nurturing dare I say yeah I think it came out in the right time so um by the end Scott pretty much becomes Santa he goes around the world delivering presents unfortunately um he he kidnaps or takes Charlie and Laura the mom calls the police and there is a manhunt for Santa so Charlie and Santa, not knowing what's happening, takes Charlie back to the Millers to drop off gifts and the police show up and arrest Santa. And everybody's like, why are you taking Santa? What's wrong? What's happening? Like, even like Laura's questioning, like, did we do the right thing? Like, it, well, they're looking for Charlie, but it's like, did we do the right thing? Arresting him? Like, what is what is happening? So then there is the most ridiculous scene in the whole movie, which is the elves. The prison break. The prison break with tinsel and elves. With the, we're your worst nightmare. You're elves with sparkly cheeks. If you've never seen this, this is like an elf tactical squad with jetpacks and fucking uh, all kinds of weird... Um, Sashes or ribbons coming out of like a thing on their belt where they tie the cop up. Did you notice the cop is a stereotypical fat cop that's balding eating a donut? And yes. I was like, oh my god, when is this stereotype going to go away? This it's, is so bad. It's never going to leave. Never. Um, they break him out of jail. They get him back to the sleigh. Um, Laura realizes that Scott is Santa. Like, looking at him, like, it's the magic is completely there. She's enthralled. As a Christmas present, she gets rid of the um, full custody papers and said, you can visit him whenever. Like, we don't need visitations anymore. Um, Neil starts believing, but Bernard takes his sandwich and makes him freak have a psychiatric freakout, which is hilarious. Which, I have to say, if anybody's seen that scene where Bernard is walking around with the pita with, like, what looks like alfalfa sprouts in the sandwich... Yeah. I have wanted that sandwich since I was a child. I am assuming... Look, I I told you this and you thought it was ridiculous. I think that is like a turkey sandwich with stuffing and like like alfalfa sprouts and like gravy and stuff. It's like uh, like a Thanksgiving Christmas sandwich. And I've tried to recreate it and I can't. I have not had any luck. It with the alfalfa sprouts, it tastes terrible. So I'm thinking they just went to craft services and just put shit in a pita pocket and walked around. They probably did. And they have ruined my life for 20 years because I want to know what's in that sandwich. And I've been craving that sandwich for years and all I know is it's just a pita pocket. You're making a weird face. What's the weird face for? Uh, I found a couple more fun, fun facts. facts that I think are very interesting. Fun but... facts. What is Sean? <laughs> so we talked about um, the fact that Bill Murray was considered for or the role was written for him for bill murray yeah but there was many other names on the list of for consideration oh give me the names 
Robin Williams. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tom Hanks. Yeah, I could have seen Tom Hanks in this. Chevy Chase. Ooh, no. That would have been terrible. No. John Ritter. Uh, okay. Who was also in consideration for Neil. John Ritter would have been cool in he that role. He would have played that well. I think Judd does better. Kurt Russell, who went on to play Santa Claus later. No. Tom Selleck. Sexy Santa? <laughs> what? John Travolta. Hey, yo, I'm Santa Claus. I'm Santa. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sandy. Ro- Rowan Atkinson. No. <laughs> Mike Byers. Who the fuck's Mike Byers? Austin Powers. Oh, they said Byers, not Myers. Myers. Oh, no. Michael Keaton. But he's Batman, not Santa. He's also Jack Frost. <laughs> now you made me sad we had to watch that pile of dog shit. And Harrison Ford. Ooh. <laughs> I could have had sexy. I could have had actual sexy Santa. Could have. Ooh, I would have, uh... Didn't happen. Ooh, I would have had that poster on my wall. The Santa Claus. And a fun little tidbit. Do you know who Michael McCruden is? No. Should I look him up? No. No? He's a YouTuber who made his acting debut in this movie. He plays the random kid that, uh... Rides the bike past Scott as he and he goes, put he puts him on the nice list. Remember the one kid goes by, he's like, yeah, naughty, and then the other kid goes by, he says, nice. That I just what? thought that was kind of funny. So this was way before he was a uh, a YouTuber. Oh yeah, he was seven. Back to the movie. Fun facts with Sean is over. Should we? I was, I was thinking about that. Should we make little uh, little jingles and put them in next year's? Maybe get one of those little decks where right. we can be like. Beep, 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 beep. Hey. Oh, speaking of, I didn't open it yet. You guys might have heard last week that uh, you can't just use this shit all willy nilly. Why not? Yes, I can. <laughs> Thank you to who? What, who's the reason I have this? Is it uh? Is it is it none other than our boy Peter McKinnon? What's up, everybody? <laughs> I bet Peter McKinnon's never been mentioned in a movie podcast before. Probably not. <laughs> he had the hype button on his desk, so everybody knows. And he just kept going, beer, beer, beer. and then his editor goes, "I have the app," and I went, "There's an app." Downloaded it instantly. Sean regrets that episode to this moment. His uh, face is just like, I want to die. <sighs> it's beautiful. So, where were we? Um, they break him out of jail. He goes back to being Santa. At the end, when he's passing by the house, he gives Neil his Oscar Meyer Oscar weenie whistle that he wanted when he was three. He didn't get it, so he stopped believing in Santa. Weak, Neil. Very weak. All because of an Oscar Mayer All weenie whistle. All because of a weenie. He just wanted to put his mouth on a weenie. <laughs> Gay. That was, that was terrible. 
was so bad. I said it because it's because he is a weenie. Ah. Um, and then Laura gets the what the fuck game was it? Oh, like um, it's like a dating game from the sixties or seventies, like Data Boy or no, it was. All it says is Scott gives Laura and Neil the two Christmas presents that they never got as children. Which had caused their dif- disbelief. Charlie also like gets the snow globe from Bernard. Which is like, oh, you can see your dad at any time. I hate the scene where Charlie's like shaking the snow globe going, I want to see my dad. And he shows back up going, I've been gone 10 minutes, dude. 10 <laughs> minutes. You impatient little fuck. Well, to be fair, he just, you know. He's excited that his dad's Santa. Yeah, that's fine. But, like, give the man a break. He has to deliver to all the kids in the world. Sit your ass down. You get him tomorrow. Let the other kids have him for one night. God. Um, And that pretty much ends the movie. They don't even set it up for, like, a sequel. It just ends with him and Charlie flying off delivering presents to kids. Yeah. Which I think was a great way to end it. Because it didn't need the sequels. No. It really didn't. I think the Mrs. Claus thing is cute for the second one. The third one, I, I've i seen it. I don't like it. I think it's stupid. I'm so sorry. I do think it's a dumb movie. But we do have this one on VHS. We did not watch it on VHS. We watched it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we found this and a shit ton of other movies. We got a good haul that day. Yeah. Of um, of movies. Uh, so we do have this one on original um, regular VHS. We don't have a clamshell of this one. I think the clamshell was a newer development because I had the clamshell years ago. But I think we have the original first run of the movie when it came out in 95 on uh, VHS, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Um, to own this one because now next Christmas um, or even Christmas this year I will have Sean digitize it and I'll watch it on the little black Fun and white. Fun fact, I already did. Well, yeah, because we thought we were going to need to use it yeah. because we didn't know this was on. it When we were talking about this movie, it wasn't on Disney Plus yet. No. If I remember and then all of a sudden they came out with oh, it's going to Disney Plus and we're like, oh, okay we don't need to watch it digitized because um, we planned on, we planned this one, what, August? Uh, yeah, we like planned. Yeah. We were in the middle of the summer when we were planning uh, Christmas stuff. So yeah, but that brings my discussion of this to a close. Do you have any uh, opinions on this movie? I don't. I think we can move on. Oh, actually, no. Oh no, no. Oh no. I think we can move on to closing questions. Okay. Final overall thoughts about the film. I love this movie. I'm not a Christmas person. As you heard, I am a big blubbering mess when it comes to Christmas. I am emotionally torn on how I feel of this holiday. But when I watch this movie, I get a little bit in the spirit. And that's why I wanted to wait for this one as long as possible. Because, uh, to be honest, when we're recording this, Thanksgiving's this week. And I'm okay. I'm a little laxed on when we get closer to Thanksgiving, Christmas is fine. You can do Christmas stuff. So I'm a little more into the maybe I won't be as grinchy or bahumbug, bahumbug, scroogey about Christmas this year. Maybe we should give it a chance, sweetie. Seeing as how you have red hair. He's just blinking at me. Blink three times if you want to run away. But I I do I do love this movie and I think this is 
definitely one of those movies that I'm always going to watch around Christmas time. I'm always going to be sad watching it, but it's always going to put me into a little bit of the the spirit. So I always say, about you? No, I... So, uh, like I said, I hadn't seen this since I was a kid. Watching it now, I definitely developed a new appreciation for what they were what they did with this story mm, it was layers it, it has a lot of layers and it's very dark in a lot of ways like yeah. it has a lot of harsh reality to it which i i appreciate because most of these christmas movies are just hallmark everything's christmas hallmarky fluff. and sugar-coated and everything's fine and dandy all the time we don't like sugar-coated things in this house because if it's sugar-coated we'll just eat it because we're fat yeah, I just didn't... I don't know. You avoided that one like yeah. the plague. I just don't... Um, I don't know. I don't really like those that Hallmarky style movie. No. I, I like some darkness in my movies. I like the harsh realities. And that's why I'm, I'm happy I, we did this one. Because this is not... This doesn't make me feel good. No. This makes me... This is the reality of the 90s. This is your parents work hard when you're going through a divorce or you you have divorced parents. Life sucks. You have to make decisions and choices at a young age. You have to like put up with other people's opinions that you didn't fucking ask for. You yeah. know? So, yeah. Did you have any favorites? I love when Bernard yells at Scott. Try to understand. I love that because it's like this thousands of year old elf that looks like a child is telling your white ass to sit the fuck down and shut up you put the thing on you didn't read the card not my problem get your act together you're doing this i love it yeah i, I kind of mirror that i i just like bernard's character <laughs> i love that actor he's like this <laughs> and he's he carries this throughout all of his roles yes but he has this, like, whether he's young or not, like, he has this, like, weariness, this world weariness about him where he he's somewhat crotchety from, like, knowing more than everybody around him. Mm. And I like it. I like that performance. I, I like the idea of the character. He's like this old elf, but it doesn't seem like he's that old. Mm. He's... He's bigger than all the other elves, yep. like so. You get some semblance you, that you he's like the superior. He is, he is an older elf, like ooh, okay. It's cool. I don't know. I, I've just always liked him. I don't have any specific lines or anything though. No, it's when he screams, "Try to understand!" Yeah. And you're like, and you just see Tim Allen's face go, "Whoa, whoa!" <laughs> and he doesn't fight him because he has this. He's an authority. He does. He has this vocal thing where it's like, "No, you will!" Like instantly, Tim Allen's care like that. He, he plays it off well, like, oh, okay, I'll yeah. listen. Does it work? Yeah. Yeah, it works. It works because, in my opinion, in the 90s, you needed a little harshness to stuff. Like, we got Jingle All the Way, which, you know, is a harsh movie, too, as well. For a different reason. For a different reason. But, like, like a lot of the timeless classic movies that we love from our childhood are not sugar-coated. They are black and white in your face. Like, things were not good. Here's why. Yeah. But we're still going to throw the Chris, the Christmas spirit. We're still going to try and teach you that things can still turn out well. How about you? I think it works. Um, 
surprisingly. I didn't think it was gonna. No. But I I think that's because I don't remember it as being as realistic as it is. Um Yeah, I, I think it works better than I thought it was going to. Would you recommend it? I would wholeheartedly recommend it to people who do love and hate Christmas. I think it's definitely one of those movies that like when people are like, oh, let's watch a Christmas movie. I want to watch Santa Claus. Well, why? Because it's the realest of Christmas movies to me. Mm. I don't want to watch The Grinch. I don't want to watch Miracle on 34th Street. I don't want to watch a Hallmark movie. I want to watch a real movie. I want to watch something like this. I want to watch Gremlins. I think that's a better Christmas movie. But that's for another day. Yes. What about you? I would recommend it. I, I think it's... It has a lot of heart. It's got a lot of um, hope mm. built in. But it's also... It doesn't shy away from the reality. Like, I can't stress that enough. Yeah. With Christmas movies, you don't often get that. Like, this one tries to give you both magic and reality. Yeah. And it pits them against each other, and it does it really, really well. Which is surprising to say from a Tim Allen movie. Most of the time, Tim Allen stuff is not all that great. Yeah. This one is pretty solid. It It's kind of funny that this was his first role, and it's like the only movie role that I really remember and enjoy from him. Like, there's Toy Story. Yeah. But I don't go to Toy Story. No. I don't think about Toy Story. Honestly, I hate Toy Story. I can't say I hate it, but it's not. I hate it because I think Sid is the worst character they've ever created. What's the point? Like, that movie still gives me nightmares to this day. I know I'm a weirdo. What do you want? How would you make this today? I wouldn't. They're already. They're already. Yeah, they're still it. making. They're still them. making them. So I wouldn't. Yeah, I. There's no. There's no need. They're, they're still making sequels, even though I don't think they wanted to initially. No, but. but and this one goes without saying. Mainstream. It's mainstream. It's definitely not exploitation or anything like that. But I do have one other question for you. Ooh. Having sat through all of this, having sat through this again and viewed it through adult eyes, do you believe in Santa? There is more bad in the world, more negative in the world than anybody wants. I believe there is a Santa Claus because without believing in some magic, it would make living in the world a lot more painful. So I believe in Santa Claus. I'm a 37-year-old woman. And I believe there's a fat man with a bunch of reindeer riding around on a sleigh one night a year. Do I track Santa Claus on Christmas Eve secretly? Absolutely. <laughs> Do I wish I was a kid for presents? Absolutely. <laughs> Even if it's not really real, I believe in the point. I hate Christmas. My friends can laugh at me all they want. I do. I have my reasons. And then... But I do believe. 
And once Thanksgiving's older over and I see a lot more Christmas stuff, like right now I go, ugh, to the Christmas things, but then something inside me just, I get this really weird, warm, fuzzy feeling and I wish to God I didn't hate it as much. But yeah, if you're out there, big man, I still believe in you. I'm such a baby. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? Do you believe in Santa? So as the person that I am, I, in the physical man, no. But like you, I believe in the representation. I believe in what Santa should be if he were to be a real person. I believe in the idea of what he stands for, like bringing people together, giving, um, just the celebration of the season, I guess, is the best way to put it. Mm. I don't like Christmas. I never really have. And part of it is just the core aesthetic. Part of it comes from where it stems from. A big part of it is because of what we as a society have turned it into. It's too commercialized. Just the commercial consumerism aspect that how people, how it turns people into fucking monsters. It. Uh, people are already fucking crazy I out know. there. And I can't... I don't like it. No. I never have, and I never will. Plus, it's the antithesis of Halloween, which is my favorite fucking holiday. But... I do... As someone who... I do genuinely care about people, like the people in my life, and... I wish that the people in my life, the majority of the people in my life, let's say, I wish that they approached things closer to that ideal of, you know, what Santa should be, what the the thing, the ideal of the Christmas holiday that everybody talks about but never implements. And that drives me crazy. It's it's one it's feeds into why I don't like Christmas because it's like you talk everybody talks the You talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. No. And yeah. it, I hate it. So yeah, I guess in a way I do. So before we close this one out, I just wanna say that this is being released the week of Christmas. And I know that Christmas is like on a Sunday. <laughs> so it's like a week before yeah, it's the week. Be a weird yeah. one. We have a weird Christmas happening. But to everybody, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate. Hug your family. Hug your friends. Please don't forget what this season really means. I'm kind of remembering that my baby sister and my dad will be here for Christmas. So I'm really excited about that. I haven't seen my dad in like two years now. And this has not been a good year for me mentally. I lost a friend. 
and went through a surgery that, as of right now, I'm still fucking recovering from. <laughs> I've lost mobility. My illnesses are getting worse, guys. Not sugarcoating it. Not. This has been a really tough year. But if there's one thing I could wish on everybody is remember what Christmas is for. It's not about presents. It's not about, you know, making sure you have everything. It's not about being perfect. My ideal Christmas is waking up to snow, seeing the lights, <laughs> burning the <laughs> burning the, uh, what are they? The cinnamon rolls. <laughs> you know, laughing, joking, having fun with friends and family. Like, remember that life is not sunshine and fucking rainbows. And if you're trying your hardest and you're just trying, that's good enough. So, happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> I'm gonna, um... I'm gonna go stand outside and maybe get cold. <laughs> maybe I'll stop crying. Well, I think that brings our discussion of the Santa Claus to an end. Oh, thank God, I can't cry anymore. But don't go anywhere just yet. Please stay tuned for the coming attractions. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And now, on with the show. What? What, what was the coming attraction? Well, as you just heard, we didn't have a trailer for next week because next week, to cap off the year, we are doing something a little bit different, but I think that'll be just as fun. Yeah, when we were deciding the movies for this, for the the end of the year, like I said in the last podcast, we could not figure out what a good movie to end the year was. We couldn't because it's it's a whole year. We started this about 13 months ago. We started this in October of 2021 with an idea and we bought the mics and then you have the program already because you work for a company that does podcasts. So it was just kind of like, oh, let's see how far we get. And here we are a year. So for our final episode, we are going to recap all of the movies that we've discussed. We might have uh, top movies. We might have movies that we didn't like. We'll ask each other questions. Honestly, we really don't 100% know right now. No, I, I think the idea, it'll be a little bit of a review, like we'll be talking a little bit about each of the movies we covered, maybe kind of thinking 
how how do we feel about them now a yeah. year later? I, I do want to look reflect on some movies because some of them we loved. And then, as you and I have discussed, like, later on, a couple weeks, a couple months later, we're like, I really didn't like that film. Or, shit, I did love that film. Yeah. You know, obviously, The Santa Claus and, you know, Jack Frost, we just did those. <laughs> so, like, yeah, those but, ones really aren't going to change. No, we'll still talk a little bit about them, but, but I think it'll be a yeah. fun way to kind of close things out. Yeah. Just doing a recap of this year. Yeah, I think I think this will become a yearly thing. I think we'll talk about at the end of the year, talk about the movies that we've looked at. Um, ask favorites, favorite line overall. I mean, there's a couple lines that I still like chuckle in my fucking head months later. Like, you know, which movies do we think were great? Which movies did we like regret doing? And there are a couple I regret doing and they were movies I picked. <laughs> so, <laughs> like... <laughs> We've also grown a lot in this podcast. Now we have a format. Now we kind of know what we're doing. And going into next year, um, we're going to touch a little bit more. But next year, the movie picking is going to be different. Yes. Next year, we'll talk about it more in the, yeah. next, in the last episode. But next year, I think we have a, a direct focus that we're going to try to strive for. And yeah. hopefully it'll go well. And we're going to pick all of the movies right then and there to make sure we don't fuck up the calendar. Because <laughs> let me tell you, we fucked up. We fucked up 4th of July and September a couple of times. Oh, we fucked up so we much this year. We fucked up so bad a couple of but times that we were like, we're out of them. We have to record now. We now keep them all written down yep. on a calendar. Yep. We, we have everything Every scheduled. Every so, well, sweetie, darling, light of my life, I don't want to end this podcast, but I think we're going to have to bash its brains in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to keep up with everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. Find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah about this film or any of the films we previously covered. You can suggest us new movies if you want. All the links for everything are going to be down in the des- description. All the links for everything are going to be down in the show notes. Listen to us every Monday morning. Give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. If you like what we're doing and you want to support the show... You can subscribe to us on Patreon or directly through Acast where you can get yourself access to ad-free listening or unlock some fun exclusive bonus content that we are slowly putting together and uploading. First two episodes are already out. But it's there. Things you guys haven't heard. You can only hear it if you're Patreons or you're subscribed to Acast. And honestly, anyone willing to check that stuff out and help support the channel... We greatly appreciate it. We really do appreciate it. But until next week, I'm Sean. I'm Leah. Thanks for listening. (laughs) He hates me. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. Happy holidays.
capture of many scenes in this film. It is definitely not recommended for the squeamish. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hulu.